Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. chicken says if i was in the senate i would have voted him guilty and impeached the leader yes siree because i think the rubber chicken's thinking of running for office <laughs> oh please not now rubber chicken because now is time for lewis black's rant cast number 30 entitled fight 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 everybody fight 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 this, of course, was the uh, video used in defense of uh, the leader by his defense team during the impeachment trial. I'm going to talk about that for just a, a little bit, the impeachment trial, and then we'll get off of that. I, I spent way too much time watching it, and it, I think it took a toll on my brain, finally. And uh, wow, uh, wow, it's just, I mean, come on. That's your defense? You, you fight? Is, do you, everybody uses the word fight. Well, the, the fact is, is that I just don't see, in, you know, in, inciting insurrection is not, yeah, and I may have said this last week, but lighting a match and poop and everything goes up. I think there's a lot more to it from the moment he started saying it would be a fraudulent vote. And, and unless he won, it would be fraud. Okay. You know, I mean, when you continue to, you know, at what, what point, how is lying or making shit up? Okay, let's just say it's making shit up. Let's not say he's lying. Let's just say he's making it up. How is that not at some point inviting some form of insurrection? Maybe I'm crazy. But it seems to me by um, the vote that they had, that what they've done is right up to the very end. I don't care if this was considered to be the most bipartisan uh, fucking impeachment ever. Part of it has to do with we we idolize our presidents. We can't really ever go, well, boy, yeah, that was awful. Gee, that's terrible behavior. Boy, that's ridiculous. Boy, maybe we shouldn't be uh, kissing so much of our president's ass all the time. Maybe this uh, idea of like, okay, stop, I, I can't go down that road. I've, I've talked about it too many times. Yeah, I, I just can't believe the amount of trust of authority at times we have. 
and the importance of keeping it upheld is, you know, we're allowed to question it, especially now, for God's sake. And this was madness. Come on, you're normalizing, in the end, abnormal behavior right until the very end. Okay? From the very moment he started, from the, the moment he started kind of saying, oh, you know, that's okay for these guys to be like, acting like that. Boy, that's fine. Boy, these people are terrible. Boy, those Muslims are awful. Boy, these people are awful. Gee, you got to, boy, the other side is really, uh, you know, those guys, those white supremacists, they've really got, you know, they there's some really nice, come on. Abnormal behavior in a president. Yeah. Why? Because children are listening. All right? He's a role model. That's part of the deal. Okay? I don't give a shit. At least in my constitution, that's part of the deal. It's inherent in the constitution somewhere within, I think, the fiber of it. Yeah, but okay. Tim Scott said something to the effect that uh, a number of them did, you know, that this kind of impeachment was shaming uh, 75 million people who voted for him. No, it's not shaming them. Certainly not. They voted for him. Okay? It's not shaming him. It's basically saying this kind of behavior is not tolerated in the president. All right? That's what it's saying. And if you voted for him, we're saying to the 75 million people, you're going to have to try to find somebody who doesn't act like this. God, that's pretty simple, okay? It's called a lesson. All right? It's a teachable lesson. Oh, boy. That's why I probably didn't teach. (laughs) And the other thing that I didn't understand was at the very end, after watching all of it, why did each side have to question their own side? That was of no help on any level. To, To what? To reiterate what we already knew? Why not have some questions for from one side to the other side? And what the fuck is Ted Cruz doing helping out the defense? He's supposed to be part of the goddamn jury. It's bullshit. Pretend, Ted. Okay? Send an email. All right? It's not tough to hide the bullshit. That's all I'm asking. Hide the bullshit. Holly, hide the bullshit. All right? Don't sit up there with your feet up on the hoo-ha acting like, boy, this doesn't matter. Pretend. That's your job. That's part of the gig. God damn it. And that's why I didn't really want to go into this, because it just fucking, because I get nowhere. There's no lucidity. It's just bellowing into the night, waiting for the next snow to come. Oh, God. Well, We've got, you know, I was involved in an impeachment once, which is really uh, much more interesting. Well, not really a much more interesting story, but certainly an interesting story. I was elected to the Senate of the University of North Carolina. And part of the reason I was elected to the Senate at the University of North Carolina was because my name is Lewis Black. And what they found was as you'd run, uh, I was off campus and the people who ran off campus, name was towards the top alphabetically, such as black. You know, if somebody was Abercrombie, they might have beaten me. But if your name was toward the top, you voted for like two or three or five, I can't remember, uh, off campus people. And uh, so I won because of the alpha, because I was higher up in the alphabet. And that's who people voted for. And I didn't even, 
I don't even think I, I did nothing. I just put my name in. I was known because of, in terms of running for that office, because I had been involved in um, some of the strikes that uh, we had during that time period at the campus in uh, 67, 68, 69. And um, I was elected in, uh, I think it's 60, 69, 70, could have been 70, 71. I, did. I was just trying to look it up online. And, and all they went to was about the University of North Carolina uh, Senate impeachment. And then they just kept going to Richard Burr, who voted. Oddly enough, it turns out they were shocked that he voted for uh, our leader's impeachment this past week. So they didn't even. So what happens is it was the, at that point, and it may still be, the uh, it was the first impeachment proceedings that had ever taken place in the Senate of the uh, University of North Carolina. The guys who were the uh, politicos in the Senate, the ones who were the hardcore on the, what would be considered the left, uh, were very upset with a conservative, very conservative, what would be considered the right. All of the left-right has got to stop. But at the time, this was a lawyer. He was in law school, second or third year, really smart. And uh, he had a number of committees. We had gone, there'd been a strike, a student strike on a day, like, uh, forget it was a student moratorium day, like October 30th or something like that, as I remember it, October 29th, something. And he held a number of meetings. The folks who didn't show up, the... uh, the folks, the liberals or the left who didn't show up, those folks were then, if you missed two or three meetings, you were thrown off uh, the committee and those folks were thrown off the committee. The folks came to me and said they saw this as an abuse of power. Would I be the one to bring the impeachment charges against him? Well, of course, looking for any notoriety, but also because it really irritated me and because I felt like, sure. Uh, I thought that that was abuse of power, that I would do that. But I asked over five, 10, 12 times, if I bring these charges, I am incapable because I have no legal background and I'm a theater student. I'm incapable of really doing a trial. So I can't be the lawyer here. So is, do I have to be? And they said, oh, no, no, absolutely not. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be the lawyer. And I went, wow, okay, then I'll bring the charges. And you guys, you who are so staunchly political, politicos, you who want to continue apparently your political careers after this, um, or at least want to continue to work in the University of North Carolina Senate, you'll do it. Some of you uh, have law degrees or at least are moving toward a law degree or at least are interested in the law and are willing to sit down and figure this stuff out. I'm not. Okay. I have no interest in it. I'm here for a vote. That's what I was there for. When there were votes, I was here for those votes. That's why I ran. And so um, I bring the charges up and there's a hoo-ha, mo-ho-ho. And it turns out that uh, I would have to be the lawyer. And I said, I can't be the lawyer. And I sat down with these guys. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll tell you what to do. Well, this guy defends himself, and he's brilliant, as I said, brilliant. And uh, I couldn't do it. I could not. I, I, I tried. And I realized very early on that this was not going to work. I was not going to be able to, uh, to do this. I didn't have the skill. And it was foolish. And I was, I was going to lose. So I 
essentially said, uh, I quit the Senate. I got up, I made my little speech. It was a good one, as I remember it, telling them that they could basically, in a kind of a, you know, without a lot of profanity, <laughs> with, a, with just a few, I said that uh, I'd be incapable of doing this because uh, both sides were really full of shit. And that I was not going to be pulled into their nonsense. And this is why we were getting nowhere as a country. Seems to be a theme that uh, started to grow that day. That may have been the seed of my act eventually. And I walked out of there and I was done. And in part done specifically initially then with politics, those type of politics. I was not going to run for any type of office anywhere. I was not going to work within the federal government or the uh, executive branch or the the congressional. I was not going to do any of that. If those were the little uh, kind of fetal, the ones who would grow into those people who govern us, I didn't want to be amongst them or spend time with them because both sides were fucking me. And I found it really disturbing. So uh, that was, and I, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I was the first one to to bring the impeachment charges against someone in the Senate, because I think the the charges were correct. Now, whether he was guilty, I don't know. We won't know because we didn't really have a good lawyer except for me. I wasn't even sure at that point if I was wanted to be a playwright. (laughs) I was still giving it a shot. Okay, I just thought I wanted to teach theater, maybe. Uh, and before we leave the uh, national scene to get on to a few other things, um, let it just be pointed out that uh, th- this week uh, there's some discussion of this $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus bill, which we don't have enough money for, the Republicans say, because uh, apparently one of the reasons I think we don't have enough money is because the Republicans four years ago under our leader gave a $1.9 trillion tax cut, basically to the wealthy. I don't think there's an argument with that. I'm sure there are those out there who go, come on, really? Right. You know, but, you know, and some of that, I think, had to be done, not, not, not $1.9 trillion. But, uh, wow, that's where the money is, huh? So, boy, we don't have the money. We don't have the money because you had a tax cut at a time in which it was no, totally unnecessary for people who have enough fucking money. So at this point in time, if you were willing to give that to them, it would seem to me that you'd be willing to give it to the others. And yes, it should be a little more targeted. That's for fucking sure. That's always a problem with the federal government. Okay? But that's what you guys used to focus on. Well, focus on it, you Republicans, rather than going, okay? There are enough economists who I don't trust either, but there are a ton of them. Enough. Way more than you can imagine that say that this is necessary in order to be sure that our fucking economy comes back. God damn it. But let's get out of that shithole, rabbit hole, hell hole. And uh, let's hope that that the right thing is done. There's just too much suffering out there. We need $1.9 trillion just for mental health alone. God. Just God knows how much money we need just for to get Mitch McConnell. And he comes on it. I no. He comes on at the end. Let's go. Uh, it's Black History Month. I've been remiss. I've kind of held off on this uh, because uh, a, a good week to do it because my father's birthday was uh, just recently over the weekend. February 13th is my dad's birthday just before Valentine's Day. 
<laughs> and uh, it was lucky that my mother was never a big Valentine's Day person. She's not big on those holidays. And uh, I even have to send stuff now that it doesn't come on Valentine's Day. Or she, or she still yells at me. But my father, um, I think, told me one of the great stories I've ever heard in terms of, of prejudice. I don't know what the impetus of the story was. Uh, that is not as important as the story itself. My dad was a huge fan of a truly great actor and singer, very much a political person, uh, Paul Robeson. And um, my father really, uh, he would go to see the shows that Mr. Robeson did. Before he told me this story, my father had talked about Paul Robeson, uh, made sure that I knew about him and what he stood for and his talent. And I believe we even watched a, a film of, uh, uh, of a Eugene O'Neill play in which that uh, was turned into a movie that uh, Paul Robeson was in. And of course, my brain is... I hadn't thought of that until this moment, and so my brain will not get the name of the film to you. But um, my father went to see Othello, Shakespeare, Paul Robeson, and uh, truly another extraordinary actress, Uta Hagen. He was very excited about this. And in the play, Othello basically is, kills Desdemona and grabs her by the throat. And Robeson, big, big man, grabbed Uta Hagen by the throat. And my father realized at that moment in time that uh, he saw a black man, a huge black man grabbing a, a small white woman. And it struck a note within him that he went, my God, he thought, my father thought, I am, I'm prejudiced. Because he realized he wouldn't have felt that if Othello was white. And um, it really, uh, it really got to him and it got to his heart. And my father uh, said that he really had to go reevaluate the way he was looking at things and um, and realize that he had these feelings and that he had to uh, change them and that he had to be realize that he knew that they were that it was prejudice he knew that it was wrong and he knew that he would do everything he could to change that and he did it was quite a, an extraordinary story for my father to tell me. And it's, I think it's quite an exceptional, I've never, my father was an exceptional man. There's on a number of levels, his, uh, I've talked about him. I will continue to talk about him. The, the legacy he left me is, uh, I was lucky. You're lucky to run into a man like that. Like my father, you're, you're even luckier that, um, he, I was even luckier that he was my father. Sam Black, February 13th, 1919. Chick Corea passed away this week. Great, great jazz pianist. Played with uh, extraordinary Miles Davis. <laughs> it's amazing how a name will get in your head. McCoy Tyner started to come in my head. And I said, I'm going to push that away because as soon as something comes in that it blocks it, but it was, uh, he played piano for him and then went on to form his own group, uh, Return to Forever. I had a number of their albums. I was introduced to his work by uh, my friend uh, Rick Redkay, a splendid drummer, who introduced me to jazz and gave me an understanding of it. When I won my uh, first Grammy, and that is not to, I'm not doing this to talk about winning a Grammy. I'm doing it to talk about the fact that you go afterwards and um, it's done in the afternoon. The, the Grammys for like the polka, 
polka. There's a ton of polka Grammys, the uh, spoken word and uh, stand up. Uh, there's a variety of other. There's 50 Grammys or something given that afternoon in what is a giant kind of auditorium. And uh, you then go afterwards, if you receive it, the Grammy you go to uh, do press. And I was behind Chick Corea, which was huge to me. First, because I was uh, a massive fan, and it was just great to tell him and to meet him uh, and to be in his presence. It, it's always great when you, I think, when you when you get to meet someone who, whose work has uh, been uh, something that has really been important to you, and uh, and his certainly was. And, uh, really, if you if you've not heard. Chick Corea and you like jazz. I mean, if you like jazz, you probably have heard it, so I'll shut up. But the other thing is that it really struck me that, that he was given the jazz Grammy, that we created. This is our art form. Okay? I can understand, like, how basically uh, Schmucky the Clown <laughs> and and the stand-up award might be in the afternoon along <laughs> with the, the polka ones. But jazz? Seriously? Are you kidding me? And it really put a perspective to me on the fact that as much as, uh, you know, that I would might bitch or that uh, many, I'm sure, comics would bitch that it's in the afternoon back then, because I think it's not as profound as it's, it's still important, but it doesn't have the profound influence it has now with the uh, this, the huge spectrum of, uh, of avenues we have for our performances and what constitutes uh, an album. But it really put in perspective that, wow, uh, if they're not honoring jazz, there's certainly you know, there's jazz and then dot, 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 42 things and then, and then stand up. It, it certainly uh, put a light on it. So um, I was sad, saddened to hear of his passage. And now, really, we uh, make our move this week to uh, back on the road, heading toward Biloxi, Mississippi, by God, to uh, a place we played a lot, the Beau Rivage Resort and Casino. I have played Biloxi, played down there uh, uh, for quite a few years, and I have to say that one of the great things, because it was, one of the, it was the first place that I appeared way back as just a stand-up was in at the, the Beau Rivage. They had a comedy club in there. <laughs> and it was there that, you know, I, I, I really started to, I got a, you know, could rent a car and wander around Mississippi. It, it was really beautiful near uh, Biloxi. I didn't think, oh, I'm in Mississippi and they're going to go, hey, Jew boy. I did not have that feeling. I just thought it was it was nice to be able to do that. They had a really great, probably discussed this before, maybe even discuss it in this act, but there was a great down the street, a gathering spot. It was a, kind of a uh, antique shop, uh, uh, I think. And, uh, and they would, uh, or next door to it, and there was uh, you know, a place where the musicians in the area, those who were playing in uh, New Orleans, and some of the folks coming out of Houston they, who were traveling out would stop in there on... Uh, on that night and put on a show, you know, they do a jam session. It was spectacular, just spectacular. I had a sense of Katrina because when I saw the, 
uh, what it did to the Beau Rivage, and it twisted into a take. It took this building that I'd performed in, and uh, I'd seen numerous occasions, and it was, just seemed like this sturdy structure twisted into a pretzel. So it was nice to be back there. They totally rebuilt it. Great place to work. And uh, after the show, go we went to uh, and always go to Mary Mahoney's. Mary Mahoney's old French house. It's just a great restaurant, right? Literally uh, across the street from the uh, Beau Rivage. It's been there uh, quite a long time, and it is spectacular. <laughs> they have a uh, fried blue crab claws. Mm-mm-mm. We took that and some frozen gumbo and etouffee onto the bus. We had that for a few days. We got to do a, a sit-down meal there, and uh, and I can still picture it. Had some really nice wine. It was just uh, they they were just great. They really uh, were incredible hosts. Our friend Trey has always been someone when I'm down near there. I go to visit. I was, Kathleen was down there, and I went and hung with her. She goes there too. If you're down near the Beau Rivage, uh, well worth your time to visit Mary Mahoney's. Well worth it. Yummy yum. Fuck, fuck yum. <laughs> so fight, 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 fight. Yeah, but fuck that. Better yummy yum, 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 yum. So there we are. And now on to the, to the rants. I hope you enjoy them. I think, once again, all I can say is they get better and better. The uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with the ones that we got this week from you folks out there. Continue, please, to send them in. Uh, let me know your feelings. Let me know what you're thinking about. You don't have to rant, as you'll hear. Uh, you can just send an essay because we're moving on. This is uh, the Rantcast, and it's called the Rantcast, but it's the only show that I know of in America that's being written by the audience. And I'm proud of that, and I'm proud to be a part of it. And I really thank you for joining me each week. I mean that. It means a lot. Thanks for listening. Take care. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And here we have a rant from Zachary Thomas. It's a, uh, I think, a constitutional amendment rant. I do. And um, he's got this to say. 
I've never understood why there are no rules for running for president. It's the highest office in the country that one can hold. And correct me if I'm wrong. The only stipulations are you must be born in the United States and be at least 35 years old. That's insane. You can't even be a substitute teacher without certifications. If you went to the hospital for surgery and the nurse told you your doctor was a random man off the street who decided to be a surgeon that day, you'd tell him, no thanks, I'll take my chances with the tumor. And if the last four years with 45 in office have taught me anything, it's that we need some new amendments to the Constitution on this. Mm -hmm. I believe that too. Yeah, I just think that's one of the things we've learned. What are the boundaries of the presidency? So here are my suggestions. One must hold a bachelor's degree or higher in a subject that would pertain to the job, such as law or history, or even, oh, and this may be a wild thought, politics. Also, one must have a previous experience in holding public office for at least two years, be it mayor, senator, sheriff, or even a fucking county clerk. What do you think, Lewis? Am I the crazy one here? Should we continue to let people like Vermin, a Supreme, run for president? Vermin Supreme. That guy wears a boot for a hat and has run in every presidential election since 1992. What the fuck? Is that true, Zachary? There's been a guy named Vermin Supreme? What you were referring to. Wow. I didn't know there was a vermin supreme that ran for, maybe I'm, I'm out of it. I'm missing the loop here. Very nice. And especially as we've kind of been uh, rolling through this impeachment. So certainly something uh, that we should think about, Zachary. Probably a few dozen other things. Thank you for that. Lori Joy Kennedy is sharing this with us. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd call this a rant. Um, but it need not be rants. We've expanded our definition of, of what can be sent in, and we did that a long time ago. Weedabix, a fond memory. Hello, Lewis and company. This isn't a rant. I just want to thank you and your ranter, Steve Furnish, for bringing a fond memory back to me today. My Swedish grandmother, Hazel Johnson Kennedy, used to laugh like hell every time she saw Weedabix on the shelf at our local grocery store. This was sometime in the 70s in Rhode Island. I was in my teens when she finally told me why she thought it was so funny. In the Swedish language, skit is the word for shit, but it is pronounced wheat. Bixa or bixor is the word for pants or trousers. Translated from English to Swedish, shit in pants looks like skit i bixor but it is pronounced as wheat ebixor, close enough to being the perfect name for a high-fiber cereal. Yes, <laughs> shit in pants. <laughs> I've, I've added that. I'm a 63-year-old expat self-isolating in, wait for it, Sweden. I look forward to listening to your rant cast every week. Thank you for helping me maintain what is left of my sanity. Wow, if I'm the one helping you maintain it, wow. (laughs) But for a real treat, you might want to do this at home, folks. If you like, copy shit in pants and paste it into Google Translate, then click on the speaker 
for the Swedish pronunciation. Skidibixor. Weedabix. <laughs> Weedabixor. Thank you, Lori Joy Kennedy. <laughs> Sharing a bit of Weedabix. <laughs> Ian uh, Atkins uh, gave us this rant, and um, he mentions Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which is where he had, uh, was at one of my performances. And whenever I hear the Williamsport, Pennsylvania, or, or I'm near it, I think of the Clothier, a great, great store run by someone who's become my friend over the years, Francis, and his family. And I'm just going to say it, if you're in that area, go there. It's a, It truly is one of the great men's stores, and it's well worth your time in terms of meeting meeting him, his family, and to see the extraordinary, to see the, the clothing that he has, and at the prices he's got it at. I rarely really give testimonials, but, but th- this is one of the greatest mom and pop stores in, uh, in the world of clothing. And, and it's just in, in the world of any kind of mom and pop store right there, right there in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of the little league world series and the clothier. Let's get on with Ian Atkins um, rant. It's been a year since I saw you in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We actually had a little chat thanks to Fuck You, which, by the way, everyone should join. Thanks for the plug, Ian. And I look forward to seeing you on the road again, soon when the virus subsides. The virus, in fact, is the occasion for my rant. You see, my wife and I have temporarily relocated from New York to South Korea for her work. No. We are not English teachers or missionaries or both, which it seems all American expats here are. You see, unlike back home in the United States, they have a lid on the virus here. Less than a thousand cases a day in a nation of 50 million people. We have single counties in America with a thousand cases a day. What the hell is wrong with us? We have 330 million people in a world of 7.7 billion, and yet have a quarter of the total world's cases and a slightly smaller percentage of the deaths. America, the country that won two world wars and put a man on the moon not once, but six times, less than 10 years after we said we would. Now we can't hardly wipe our asses, it seems. You want to know how they're handling it here? Masks. You heard me. I'm repeating what he said. Masks and aggressive contact tracing and testing. We all get alerts on our phones if someone in the neighborhood tests positive. No social distancing, no fetishizing of hand washing is a panacea. Masks save lives, people. I get tired of this lionizing of Fauci and Burks. Well, they ended up, and especially both of them, but Burks, she's not been so much lionized, but, but they were both, and Fauci more so because they, you know, they totally pushed him out of the picture. They were, those were the last voices of science we had here, Ian. That's how. It's not like they asked for it. So who knew masks were? The World Health Organization which Trump withdrew from in a snit. And yet he decided to sit on the information which he had, and which my opinion caused tens of thousands of lives early on and allowed this virus to get out of hand. Huh? And when they fessed up, people sewed their own and most didn't hoard the medical grade mask like they did with mother fruit and toilet paper. 
as Fauci and many others predicted we would. Anyway, I'm digressing. Usually, I lean pretty far left, but in this case, living in a vaguely authoritarian state, paying me dividends. I've been brain bored three times since I got here, and it wasn't optional. If you get exposed, it isn't optional. Masks are not optional. Go around without one, and the police will knock you over the head, drag you off, and you face imprisonment and or a stiff fine. How many times have I walked into a Walmart back home and seen people without masks and fantasized about the popo zip-tying these chowderheads, putting a sack on their heads, and dragging them away frothing and gibbering about the worldwide Jewish Masonic conspiracy? If we as people would get out and see the world a little bit, we'd know there are other ways of living and doing things. While the two parties here bicker back and forth over inconsequential culture war crap, while everyone's standard of living and life expectancy drops like Russia in the 1990s. We cherish our impotence and futility as though it were some inalienable gift from heaven. And the only possible alternative is Venezuela. Thanks for letting me unburden myself, Lou. My wife and I both look forward to seeing you on the road again, enjoying our premium fuck you seats and loading up on merch until our knees buckle trying to get it home. Be safe out there. Ian in, temporarily, Shonan, South Korea. Thanks for reaching out, Ian. It was deeply appreciated. Here's something from Kristen Brown who lives in Greenville, South Carolina, one of those hidden gems out there. At least it was a hidden gem to me. I offer a minimal rant dressed as a tale of enlightenment. The members of my drinking liberally group got a laugh from it, so I figured I would see if it could coast a chuckle from you, fingers crossed. For several years now, I've had a very nice gentleman as my next-door neighbor. As with most neighborhoods today, we're not close, but are always cordial to one another. He is a single father with a teenage daughter, a military veteran, and someone I feel I could ask for assistance if ever needed. What has really impressed me is the quality time he spends with his daughter. They're always doing things together, and through the paper-thin condo walls, I can hear them laughing and having fun. Living in a deep red state and being of a progressive mind, Politics is a topic I avoid. Call me a coward, but I prefer to avoid conflict. So even though I never raised this topic with my neighbor, I was deeply disappointed when after the 2016 election, he drove in with a life-size decal of 45s, I still can't say that name, profile on his car. You know, the one that looks like he is sitting in the car. Disappointed, but par for the course in this area. At least I had confirmation to avoid that topic. Skip forward four years now. In the midst of the virus, ordering groceries and finding in my pickup two broccoli crowns that had to be on steroids so large that they would not both fit in the crisper of my fridge. This happened to be the day before Biden swearing in. Not wanting to waste fresh veggies, I towed a monster crown next door to see if my neighbor could use it. As we chat, he asks if I plan to watch the inauguration. I hesitantly answer that I hope to, but I'm taking my mom to receive her first vaccine dose. 
he has a big smile and goes on about how he cannot wait. How he's so glad that the orange idiot will finally be gone and we might get some good things done for the country. Stunned, I just sputter. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were a 45 supporter. <laughs> he confusedly asked why I would think that. And I explained, because of the decal. Well, it seems as though he lost a bet with his co-workers. Knowing how much he hated 45, the penalty was putting the decal on his car. So for four fucking years, I missed the opportunity of having someone to commiserate with. Just goes to show you that you cannot always judge someone by what decal is on their car. At the same time, for four years, every time I would find myself slipping down the slope of wanting to demonize all who supported 45, I would stop and think of my neighbor. Just like Ralphie in A Christmas Story, I would throw out my feet, claw my way back up the slide, and grasp to the fact that there are decent folk who support 45 because my neighbor is one of them. But now I've lost that. Help! I have no one I can grasp onto anymore. Doing my best rationally not to slip down the slope, but with people like Marjorie Taylor Greene spewing shit and a majority of repugnicons still supporting his lies, I am finding it increasingly difficult. Please, if you have any suggestions, let me know. I don't want to slide off the end of the slope. Oh! Thank you, Kristen. That, that's really perfect. It's just so perfect as to where we ended up. Of how the madness, just how deep the madness was. Um, I don't know how to help. Um, I do know that some of those people that voted for him, I believe voted for him because uh, the Democrats, they don't make it clear to the American people that they're not socialists. Okay? Some are. But there is a big difference uh, between what the Democrats want to do with capitalism and what the Republicans want to do with capitalism and how they approach it. And that's the thing that the Democrats were able to do for a long time, and they've lost the ability to do it. And so I think, in part, it was his ability and the ability of the Re Republicans to convince people that, oh, my God, you are, you're going to elect socialists. And then, oh, my God, it's all just a matter of time until they, they do. It's all government run. Well, that's not the case. Um, and it's why you need two strong parties. But now we got, wow, whatever we've got now. And uh, I thank you for that because it's a really, <laughs> it's really, it was perfect. So thanks, Kristen. This comes to us from one of our Canadian neighbors. Now they've been writing in regularly, and I'm thrilled with that. This is from uh, Ken Wooshke, White Rock, British Columbia. What the fuck has happened to common fucking sense? I used to laugh at warning labels on products like almonds saying, allergic warning, this product contains almonds. It's 100% almonds and I can see it through the fucking clear packaging. What the effing hell do you expect uh, to be buying? 100% fucking ratchet laden with the Black Plague instead? Which brings me to my goddamn rant. The headline reads, woman who put Gorilla Glue in her hair may sue the company after traumatizing incident. What the F? 
She felt that when she ran out of hairstyling gel, that Gorilla Glue would be a substance to put in her hair. Talk about a fucking permanent. That's a permanent that'll last until hell freezes over. Now she wants to sue them because the company didn't explicitly say that this product shouldn't be used on here. What the fuck? Did common sense never arrive on this TikTok faux star? Which leads me to a wonderful side note. If you are a TikTok or other social media personality, is the main fucking requirement not to have any brain cells in fucking head connecting common sense ideas? Oh, fucking right. It is the number one requirement to be a social media star. You lack any form of common sense, and you're a fucking jackass. So, getting back to fucking Gorilla Glue Girl, does this mean that I can glue my cock and balls together or my asshole shot and then turn around and sue Gorilla Glue that their warning didn't explicitly say not stick my junk fucking together? Next thing is parents are going to be sued that as kids are traveling down the vagina canal, there isn't a warning label saying being born and living results in a 100% chance of fucking death. What the fuck is wrong with people? Use some fucking common sense. And what about the fucking scumbag lawyers who want cases like this? If this is how you make a living, how the F do you have the dignity and pride to tell your kids what the fuck you do? Stop the lawsuit and gain some fucking balls and ovaries and just say to people, How fucking stupid are you to use fucking Gorilla Glue to style your hair? Or did you just want your 15 seconds of TikTok fame? Fuck, what is wrong with people like this? Ken Wooshke, angry as hell in White Rock, British Columbia. I don't even go near Gorilla Glue. I just said, fuck it. This is Annie Brock's rant, and she certainly has a reason to rant. Ooh, this one took my breath away. I'm sitting here with no fewer than three, three Facebook messages from men I really don't know. Well, they're not exactly men to me because the last time I saw any of them was in the halls of my high school. But they're not really strangers because, well, We might have made out behind the bleachers once or had adjacent lockers or dissected the same biology frog. It was a long time ago. My point is, decades have gone by and some shit has happened. It usually starts with an innocuous comment on an alumni page. Then there's a friend request, a few more posts. Then come the supportive DMs like clockwork. Wow, you've done well for yourself. Or the unimaginative you have an age to bit. And then a change of tone, a vague complaint about his marriage or a recently failed relationship or the question, how come we never got together? You can't time social media with a stopwatch, Lewis, but the time from this message to the first sex message is shorter than the time it took to get his 1972 Datsun from zero to 60. After the briefest and most superficial conversations possible, here are the few questions that grown-ass men who didn't even talk to me in high school and have not talked to me since have written. How's your pussy feeling today? 
Do you still have big tits? I'd like to feel your lips, all four of them. And oh, the pictures, so many I could run down to Walgreens and make myself a dick of the month custom calendar. I need to stop here and tell anyone reading or listening that I'm a pretty sex-positive person. I'm not clutching my pearls. I enjoy a well-composed, filthy message. I crave sex, though, to be honest, I haven't felt the touch of a man since Barack Obama was president. And during this pandemic, I've been masturbating like a monkey. Oh, Annie, thank you for sharing. Well, it's just that I'm also old enough to realize that this has nothing to do with me. This is happening to all of my friends as well, and it seems too common and repeated to be anything but airborne desperation looking for a place to land. None of us has a problem with recreational sex. We all have a problem with being walking fleshlights with high school faces. I can't speak about what happens to men as they age, but women grow into themselves. We're different people than we were at 16, when it was enough just to make boys happy. So if you want to get over with us, you'd better make sure that the interaction is at least a little bit about us. This isn't about romance. It's about maturity. And I beg you guys to get some. Otherwise, find a younger woman who hangs on your every word. Get an Ashley Madison account. Fix your shitty marriage. Fill your days with good work. In short, I don't really give a shit. Just stop pulling the high school card and leave me the fuck out of it. So here's a message to all of you lonely men who wake up, need somebody other than your wife to rub one out to and think, oh, I wonder what happened to that JV cheerleader Becky from half a century ago. I'm here to tell you, she grew the fuck up. She went to college or tech school or no school. She got married or didn't, had kids or didn't, exists on a diet of Xanax, edibles, and bad judgment, or has an improbably joyful Christian life. She's done things she's really proud of or things she remembers with searing, secret regret. Probably both. She looks forward to embracing the serenity of her golden years or rages at the indignities of lost youth. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter one goddamn bit. No matter how she's lived since high school, regardless of what life goals she has or hasn't achieved, despite the fleeting curiosity she might occasionally have about you and your classmates, and notwithstanding the hunger she might have for human connection during these lonely times, nothing, and I can't stress this enough, nothing in her life will be made better by seeing a picture of your wrinkly dick pop up in her DMs. Stop it. Just fucking control yourself. Grow the fuck up. Wow. Can't thank you enough, Annie. I think you really nailed that beautifully. That is just spectacular. Well put. Well said. Well done. Thank you for sharing. We are coming to you live tonight from uh, the Beau Rivage Casino, the Beau Rivage Theater here in Biloxi, Mississippi. 
their second night in Mississippi, and I was able to uh, to contribute to making. Uh, I played a little video poker today, and quite quickly, was able to. There will be a whole new area here. <laughs> There will be another when I return, uh, due to what I was able to do with the video poker thing, because apparently uh, this machine and the other machine and the other machine and the other machine had no interest in me even being in front of it. Uh, I could have, as I used to say, I could have stayed in my room and flushed quarters down a toilet. And so you'll be able to see a whole new tower. And I think my picture will be at the top. <laughs> I just wish, I used to say, when you play video poker, or any of these games when you're playing uh, any slots, you know, they ought to just, for those of us, even when we're, if, if, if one thing they can provide for us, because most of us are going to lose, just have a little buzzer thing in the seat, so that, you know, it just kind of, like a little electric shock, so you go, whoa, so you, it looks like you won. So people around go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun here tonight. Um, this is uh, from Warren Kulos here tonight. Mississippi officials this week are hailing the fact that our high school graduation rate is now 85%. So I don't know where the other 15 are. This is just above the national average of 84.6, and in light of that, I'm suggesting a new state motto, Mississippi, now above average. <laughs> I, th I, think, I think that one thing, I said this last night in Hattiesburg, I'm going to repeat it again. Um, whoever does your PR for this state, you got to find somebody else. Uh, the one thing you can learn from our leader, as I told you earlier, is make shit up. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You can make up a website with all sorts of fucking facts on it that aren't true, and you go, whoa. <laughs> you know, all you have to do is have somebody, you know, like this go, whoa, look, we're at 92%. Look at these kids. They're really happy. Just get a lot of kids out there with those fucking cap and gowns. It's not tough to photograph them. They don't have to. You got 15% of them haven't graduated. Fucking use them as the props. <laughs> this can't be right. This is every so often. Joe Medley says that the state of Mississippi agreed to continue to teach high school. What? Well, I'm, well I, I, I understand that, but you got to speak louder and nobody can hear you. This is actually being live streamed. So, um, and I'm not here to defend New York. Uh, I certainly don't give a shit. Um, but I do think if that's the case, um, you know, you should get that news out there because most of the news, like I said, you should be doing the PR, fucker. Because, I mean, I can go through the whole country. The whole country in terms of public education is a fucking cesspool. You don't want to pay the teachers. You expect people to take care of your children. Fucking A, what do you expect, okay? 
So if you're doing better than New York, you're, you're, not, you're still not doing that well because we're doing shitty. But get that news out there. And meanwhile, I've got to go back to what you just interrupted. This is... And I needed to find out if this is true. Jill Medley said that the state of Mississippi agreed to continue to teach U.S. American history in high school today. Is that, that can't be true. Is that true? They agreed, what, they were gonna stop teaching American history. What were they gonna teach? The history of the Teutonics? What were they gonna fucking teach? What were they teaching? The history of the spatula? What the fuck is the matter? Come on. You don't have to have a vote about it. It's education. They stopped teaching civics in a lot of places, and we can see where that fucking has led us. Now, this is important information uh, for those listening at home and those who are maybe watching in Pakistan. And there are there are people who do watch us in Pakistan, and they're going to be they're going to be very excited to hear that they should move to Mississippi to educate their children. <laughs> Gary Bardwell said that a good place to eat is Bozos in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And obviously, there is yeah okay. Well, you got my vote. Uh, this is Jason James. Uh, uh, we're there at the show tonight. You're from Alabama. Why, uh, why don't you let folks have a chance to meet you? The, I do let folks have a chance to meet me. I usually don't do it at casinos. Uh, and that's because I got to gamble. So, uh, but usually if I, generally I'll be honest with you, if I'm appearing, in, if you're in Alabama and I'm coming through and I'm appearing somewhere there, if I'm at a theater, then chances are you're going to see me backstage. I mean, I'm going to be out front signing after the show. I sign as much as I can after every show and you don't have to buy anything and just sign anything. Okay. So I do try to do it. Okay. It's just, but casinos, I usually try to. <laughs> Rosa Lusada, who's, I think I pronounced that right, I think. Uh, why are people in the South so fat? Um, that's, uh, Rosa, once again, a, a general, a, a, a brutal generalization. I go all over the country. We're uh, all fatty fat, 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 fat. <laughs> Everywhere you go, it's a fatty fuck festival, okay? They're fat here for a different reason, okay? If I lived here, would my face be in a bowl of sausage gravy most of the time? Yes, it would. Yes, it would. I, I call a bowl of sausage gravy the dog bowl of life. <laughs> Don't yell stuff. I can't hear you. No one can hear you, uh, but I'm glad you want to share. Uh, Steve Andrews, my wife and I are not fans of organized religion. And you live here? <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> what is the matter with you? Not fans. Well, it's not like they're wearing ball caps with, you know, boy, I'm for the Catholic Church. Uh, why are not fan we're not fans of organized religion? As a consequence, we never took our kids to church or taught them about religion. Perplexed, our kids asked us what to tell their friends about why they never went to church. And our reply was to tell them, to tell their friends that we home church them. <laughs> 
I'm going to read all of these in a row. This is, I'm just going to read them. I'm not going to comment until I get to the end. Matt M. Pelosi's love for the bottle or Trump's love for the blow dryer? Danette, that's Matt M. Danette Kiefer, how do we get rid of Pelosi? Sheenan Cole, fuck Trump and the morons that keep drinking his Kool-Aid. Aaron Wiley, shh. Aaron Wiley, Trump haters, please show how ludicrous and unpatriotic this is to attack our president. Jack Dyer, the hypocritical Republicans refuse to call witnesses to Bone Spurs trial in the Senate. Cult of Trump. Rich Kiefer, Trump impeachment and the rotten Democrats. Don Zoolander, is Mike Pence gay? Charles Weaver, what the fuck is up with Nancy Pelosi and what stupid fuck married her? <laughs> Scott, Scott N. Hi, Lewis. Kill, fuck, marry Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell. Those all came in in a row. Those all, I took all of those in. All of you are here tonight. Every one of you. That's what's wrong. <laughs> if you want to know what's wrong with the country, that's what's wrong with the country. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what's wrong. It's that level of like, you go fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you, and sticks and stones, and <laughs> it's gotta stop. It's bullshit, okay? It's really, uh, it's unbelievable. And then great, because I think this one really sums it up, Micah Baldwin, and it sums it up from both sides. Why does Mike Baldwin, why does the most important job in the United States, the president, not have any requirements for being the president? 35, I think, is it, and a, and a citizen. There are not many other jobs that don't require qualifications for, that, for a particular job. All you need to do is have skin and breathe air, and you can be president of the United States. After all of those people going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then we're electing somebody and there are no qualifications for it, none. My problem now is, is a lot of the stuff that's being said in the public square is really stuff that you say at home, okay? Don't say it, you don't say it in the square. Shh, that's why you have a house. You get to say it there, okay? You yell in the house, okay? You wanna hate something? You don't hate the other person. It's not what they're there for. You hate the object. You hate the, pay, the piece of shit when you're opening a jar and it doesn't open? That's what you hate. The car that doesn't start? That's what you hate. The fucking engine, the, the piece of shit you bought? That's what you hate. That fucking cell phone fucking bill you got? That's what you hate. You hate objects. But a lot of the shit that's being said publicly now by both sides, fucking zip it. You fucking want to say it? You fucking sit at home and talk about it. It has no place, none, in the public square, none. And it's entered the public square. And it had been out of the public square for a long time. It took a long time during my life for that to go away. And it was gone, and now it's back in it. And it's a cesspool, and the shit's gotta stop. Ooh, I can't believe I just went off on that. Robert Wagner says, and this is why I think it's got to stop. Please mention Mark Kidd. Um, 
uh, his, uh, uh, or HK6381, which was his identifier, killed in action in 2007 in Fallujah, Iraq. A valiant warrior. That's why I can't have nice things. <laughs> in the middle of, well, this is upsetting. <laughs> Killed in action 2007, Fallujah, Iraq. Mark Kidd is his name, a valiant warrior in front of mine. I lost while downrange. Fuck these cocksuckers that are bitching about the latest military pay raise, saying we make too much as is. There isn't enough that they can pay you. <laughs> Okay, that's why you sh that's why you take the shit that comes out of your mouth at times and you say it at home. Okay, because the people who are there defending you or you're defending they're defending your right to think things. That's what they're defending. Okay. This is from Wes well, Wesley Hilbun. You think your job exposes you to idiots? Let me tell you about mine. Now we get down to the real truth of the matter. <laughs> I work in the petrochemical industry doing maintenance on plants. Well, everything is safety, safety, safety. So they say, well, last year I was in a small chemical plant in Memphis, Tennessee, and during site orientation, they told us, if it rains, we'll not be doing any elevated work. Groundwork only. Okay, I got it. Well, about a week later, it fucking rains, and there we are in the air working. So I went up to our safety guy, motherfucker that's supposed to know and enforce these rules, and I said, hey, I thought we weren't supposed to be working off of the ground if it was raining. He looked at me and he said, uh, well, um, uh, everybody's interpretation of rain is different. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> that's see? See, when it starts at the top, and that's both parties, that's what comes out at the bottom. <laughs> Somebody going, it depends on my definition of rain. <laughs> um, I'm going to finish with this. Let me just tell you. Um, uh, I'm sorry if I got a little serious here this evening, but. Uh, I, you know, I know this is supposed to be fun, but sometimes uh, when I see this, when I see both sides the way they are here, you just kind of go, wow. Because I don't see this at a lot of my shows. You guys, whew. Um, <laughs> it's kind of why uh, it's important that the legislature decided that they should continue to teach American history. <laughs> because it's important that... That but we, I mean, seriously, we, if we, the, the bottom line is if we don't agree on what the basic reality is, we're fucked. Because I don't really care. I don't care what you folks on either side think. I know for a fact this, that if I asked you what it is that you wanted, what were the top five things that you wanted for your family or for yourself, that you could list those five things. And you might have them in a different order, but your five things would be exactly the same as the other person's five things. It's not that tough. Figure it the fuck out. God damn it. I got to get back to doing jokes. 
and I, okay, upon, and I'll end with this. Fuck where his name isn't here, and I'm sorry. I'll probably have to. Upon reaching retirement age, I began to receive in the mail advertisements for health plans. Oh, I get them. <laughs> Every single one of them had pictures of happy, smiling seniors. Possibly these pictured people recently received notification of their acceptance to a United States Olympics team. Or maybe they're laughing at me for not discovering the fountain of youth, and they had. However, when I visit my Medicare-approved doctor, I don't see anyone smiling or joyous that today is such a fabulous day. <laughs> Upon reaching the age of 70, I still receive the smiling people insurance offers, but my mail is up the ante. Now I see, receive promotions for what I'm going to do with my dead body. <laughs> As of yet, these dead body burial, these dead body burial and cremation offers do not have pictures of smiling corpses. <laughs> but give it time, I'm sure their marketing people are working on it. And while I have your attention, upon reviewing a recent water a utility bill, I noticed a small fee for using the water. <laughs> so instead of mailing off my payment, I decided to pay the bill in person at the water company. I asked why I was being charged for using the water. Why would I request service for water if I didn't use it? Their reply was it wasn't their fee, but a county fee mandated fee. I then asked, if they were sure that I indeed was using the water. Possibly I like collecting the water in a water storage tank in my backyard, only to be asked if I was there to pay the bill. I paid the bill. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it's been a pleasure spending time in Biloxi. Thank you very much for your time. Take care of each other, okay? Thanks to all of you for listening to my Rantcast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me, <laughs> Lewis Black. Our live rant audio was produced by James Salkind. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.